We're talking about what does it mean to live as a baptized person. Too often we think of baptism as just something that we do in order to cover us in case something happens, in case we die. But when we look at the New Testament, we realize that baptism has as much to do with how we live as it does with where do we go or what happens to us when we die. And so we've been thinking about what does it mean to live out your baptism. Last week we talked about how baptism is dying and being buried with Jesus so that, and it's like our Exodus event, isn't it? It's like our Exodus experience where we go from being under the reign and the rule of sin and death and we're buried with Jesus so that we can be raised up to live under the reign and the rule of Jesus and grace and life. And so we said at the end of last week's sermon that we are going to live our life saying, I am no longer a slave to sin. Not only am I forgiven of my sin, but I'm going to live my life in such a way that shows I am no longer a slave to sin. But there's so much more even to this subject. And this morning, I really want to explore from 1 Corinthians, what does it have to do with, what does your baptism have to do with the church and living within the church and being a part of the church? And what does your baptism have to do with the Holy Spirit? So what is your baptism if you're baptized, if you've made that decision and that step, if you've experienced what the Lord has to offer in baptism. What does your baptism have to do with life in the church? And what does it have to do with the Holy Spirit? And if you haven't yet made that decision, this would be a great opportunity for you to consider what the New Testament has to say about baptism and decide whether or not that is a choice that you want to make. Again, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you're not real familiar with the church at Corinth, uh, the church at Corinth was, like most churches, I guess, uh, so it had some good things going on and, and some things that they were pretty messed up on, right? And so Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to correct a lot of different behavior that was going wrong. And I was listening to a sermon this week on, on Corinthians, on first Corinthians. And, and the preacher said, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, discouraging on the one hand to see all the problems that Corinth had. But on the other hand, it's kind of encouraging because if there's hope for them, then there's hope for me, right? And, and we can look and we can say, okay, what were they doing wrong and how were they corrected? And so one of the problems that was going on in Corinth, among other things, was their division. And they were, they were divided and especially around teachers. And some would say, well, I really follow the teaching of this teacher and I follow the teachings of that teacher and so and so baptized me and so and so baptized me. And so they were really a divided group of people, even when it came to their spiritual gifts. So they had these spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit had given them and they were able to do things like prophesy and they had miraculous knowledge and they were able to speak in tongues or to heal and they elevated certain gifts above the others. And they said, I'm, I'm more special because I have this gift or you're less special because you don't have this gift or you're less special because you have the certain gift that you have. And so even their spiritual gifts that should have been bringing them closer together were actually causing further division. And so, in fact, what Paul says about their coming together, their assemblies... Think about this for a second. He said that their assemblies 
did more harm than good. That's a bad thing to say about a church, isn't it? That their coming together actually did more harm than it did good. And so what Paul has to say has to deal with not only the church and baptism, but also the role and the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, one of the little tricks that when you're reading through the Bible and you notice repeating words and you say this chapter or this book seems to use this word a lot, if you write in your Bible, uh, you can go through and circle those repeating words. So if you see in these three verses how Paul uses the word varieties, see verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, verse 5, there are varieties of service, verse 6, there are varieties of activities. See, there's all of these different gifts and service and activities that, that are going on. You, you're gifted in different ways. You're able to do different things. There is a variety of people and a variety of giftedness in the church. But then notice the word same and how verse four, verse five, verse six all uses the word same. The same spirit, the same Lord, the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You see that? So Paul is saying the triune God, he doesn't use that language, but but that's the idea, isn't it? The same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God, this one God works in a variety of ways within his people. He gives his people in a variety of ways. There's all different kinds of gifts and service and activities, but all of it comes from the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. So the same triune God works in a variety of ways within his covenant people. Okay, look at verse 7. And, and, and this is incredibly important. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now that's, that's incredibly important, isn't it? Because it tells us why each Christian is in a variety of different ways gifted with some sort of gift from the Spirit. It's all for the common good of the body, right? It's all for the common good of the body, but that's not how they were doing it. That's not how they were treating it. And that's often how we don't think of things either, is it? We tend to think that this is for me. This is for my benefit. In fact, sometimes if we're honest, this is for my uh, stepping in the spotlight. This is for my attention. And, and that's what they were doing, isn't it? They, they were using their gifts, their strengths, their abilities that came from God, and they were using it to draw attention to themselves. And Paul says, no, no, no. These various gifts, the, the way that the same Lord and the same Spirit and the same God is working in all of you in a variety of ways, all of your gifts are given to each individual for the common good. And later he's going to compare it to a body, right? It, there's the metaphor of the body, and all of you are body parts within the body. And think about that for a second. The strength and the ability of your finger or the strength and the ability of your hand isn't given to that body part for that body part's good, right? There's very little my finger can do for itself. If my finger is hurt, some other body part's going to have to take care of it. The strength 
that my finger is given is given for the good of the rest of the body. I, I know it's a silly example, but I can scratch my nose or I can scratch my ear. I can use my finger and the strength that God has given that finger for the good of the rest of the body. That, that strength wasn't given for its own individual good, but for the common good. And so God, Paul says that God is working in a variety of ways in you. And you have a variety of gifts and a variety of strengths, but all of it exists from the same God and for the common good of the body, for the common good of the church, for the common good of the community of Christ. Now look at verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. And again, do you see the the repeating words and the repeating ideas as we read through this passage? He says there's all of these various kinds of gifts. There's wisdom, the utterance of wisdom, the utterance of knowledge. There's faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, ability to distinguish between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so he goes through and he says all of these various things, but then verse 8, the same spirit. Verse 9, the same spirit. Same verse, the one spirit. And then in verse 11, by one and the same spirit. So the same Lord, the same Spirit, the same God is working in His people in a variety of different ways. Now, one thing that we tend to do when we read about these first century gifts and these first century workings of the Holy Spirit, and we say, well, where's mine, right? How come I can't do what they could do? In fact, we we tend to look and we say, well... I guess I got some gifts or some strengths. I give credit to God for these strengths, but my strengths aren't as cool as that. I mean, I want the cool gifts, right? I want the, the gifts that they had in the first century. And really, that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. He, he's saying that, that God has always worked in his people in a variety of different ways. Why would it surprise us that God worked in the first century church and gifted them with a variety of different gifts and In the 21st century church, he works in us in a different way. And when we get so caught up and we say, yeah, well, I'm I'm good at encouraging people, but, you know, I really want a cool gift, that's the same trap that they fell into. Paul goes on to say, listen, in in chapter 13, he says there's going to come a time when these visible things like prophecy and speaking in tongues and miraculous knowledge, it's going to pass away. He says, but what's really important... It's love. And he says, love is patient and love is kind and it doesn't envy and it doesn't boast and it isn't rude and it isn't self-seeking. He says, if you can speak in tongues and you have all of this prophecy and knowledge, it's worthless if you don't love each other. We need to realize that the body of Jesus isn't just one particular congregation. And the body of Jesus doesn't just expand across the globe, which it does. It expands through the centuries. You see, you and I are a part of the same body of Christ that Paul was a part of. 
We are part of the same body of Christ that the church in Corinth was a part of. And God equipped those body parts in the first century in a particular kind of way. And he equips the body in the 21st century in a particular kind of way. Why? Because in the first century, those were the gifts that the body, for the common good of the body, needed. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that. That that's what they needed to be built up to reach a level of maturity. That's the gifts that they needed in the first century. And the gifts that the church in the 21st century needs are the gifts that God has given to you. And to me, for the common good of the body of Jesus. Isn't that an exciting thing? That God equipped and God gifted the apostles in a unique way. And he equipped and gifted the prophets in a particular way. And he equipped and gifted the evangelists in the first century in a particular kind of way. And God continues to gift and strengthen and equip his 21st century saints in the way that we need to be strengthened and equipped for the common good of the body of Christ. It's not about you as an individual. It's about what you bring to the rest of the body of Christ. The church needs the gifts that God, through His Spirit, is giving to you. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. You you see again, repeating words, one and many. He says there's one, there's one body, right? There's one body of Christ. There's one church. And again, it's, it stretches across the globe and it it stretches through the centuries. and, And that one body has many members. And I think here we, we think of many as in numerical, right? Lots of. But I think here, again, he's talking about a variety of members. You see, your body, your physical body is one, but it has many members. Not just in number, but various, right? Your finger is very different. I know that's a thumb. That's not a finger. That's a finger. I, I, I know that your finger is very different than your toe. And it's very different than your nose. And it's very different than your eyes, And isn't that what Paul's saying? He's saying there's one body, and that one body has lots, lots, a diverse number and kind of people. And the body needs every single member. Just like your physical body needs every single member, the body of Jesus is one. And it has many in number and in diversity kinds. Now, look at what he goes on to say. For in, or I think probably most translations and probably better to say by, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. What does that mean? Baptized by one spirit into one body. What does it mean to be baptized by the, the spirit? You remember when we said at the beginning of the book of First Corinthians, how they were arguing over who baptized them. And they said, oh, I was baptized by Paul, and I was baptized by Apollos, or I was baptized by Peter. And they thought that was something special. Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize a whole bunch of you because so that you can't use my name like that. You see, it wasn't really Paul. It wasn't really Apollos. It wasn't really Peter who baptized them. It was the Holy Spirit who baptized them. And the same is true for us, you see. 
The Holy Spirit didn't baptize me. I was baptized by a guy named George. You know, no, no, you weren't really baptized by a guy named George. You might have been dunked into the water by a guy named George, but it was the Spirit, wasn't it? As you heard the message of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the good news, the gospel that is infused with the power and the life of the Spirit of God is living and active. That gospel message, that good news, those words of Jesus are infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you heard those words, as that seed fell on receptive soil, as those words fell on receptive ears and heart, you were moved to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the the word or the message of Christ. The Spirit was working in the gospel message and it moved you to baptism, didn't it? That gospel, that living word of God, that living message moved you to baptism. And so it is as if all of us, you and me and the church at Corinth, all of us were baptized by the Spirit, because it was the Spirit's message. The Spirit gave voice to the message of Jesus Christ through the apostles, through the teachers, through evangelists, through the word that we have now. And we heard it. We were baptized by the Spirit into one, one body. You see, when you became a Christian... When you were baptized into Jesus, when the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ moved you to baptism, you became a part of something bigger than yourself. You joined hands, not just with the people here, but the people across the globe that are in Christ and the people across the centuries that are in Christ. You became a part of the same body, the same community, the same kingdom that Paul was a part of, that Peter was a part of, that John was a part of, that the people in Corinth, as messed up as they were, just like you and me, we became a part of the body of Jesus. We were baptized by God's Spirit into His one body. You became a part of something so much bigger than yourself. And do you see how, how Paul is encouraging them to live this out? Live it out! Don't just recognize that it's true that when you put Jesus on in baptism, you became a part of the body of Jesus. Live it out. Live out the fact that you are now a member of the body of Jesus Christ. Look at what he says. We are all by one spirit. We were baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks. Slaves are free. Now, in Galatians, he'll kind of use similar wording to say that, that we're all, we're all descendants of Abraham. We'll get to that later. But here, he's really pointing out the diversity in the church, isn't he? And that's a good thing. The church is supposed to be diverse. And, and, and Paul is saying, listen, all of us, Jews, and Greeks, slaves, free, We were all baptized. Forget the guy's name that dunked you in the water. We were baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. And we became a part of the one body of Jesus. Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. And church, as I continue to watch Jesus add to his church here at McDermott, it's an amazing, wonderful thing, isn't it? To see diverse people, different backgrounds, different races, different ages, different whatever, being baptized by God's Spirit 
into one body. And then he goes on to say that not only we were baptized into one body and all were made to drink of one spirit. We were all filled up with the spirit of God, the presence, the life giving presence of God. We were filled up by him to be God's dwelling place. In other places, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he compares us, the people of God, to God's temple, God's dwelling place. We were filled up with God's Holy Spirit, gifted and strengthened and manifesting himself in different ways at different times and different people as the church had need. The same Spirit The same Spirit, the one and the same Spirit that gifted and equipped Paul is now gifting and equipping me and you and the person sitting beside you and all who are in Christ Jesus in a different way. You say, well, mine's not the same. My, my, my gift, my, what I, the Spirit empowers me to do. It's not like what Paul did. No, it's not. Don't you see? That's exactly what he's saying. And he's saying just because you're not a foot, just because you're not a mouth, just because you're not an eye doesn't mean you're not a valuable part of the body. In fact, what you're doing for the body of Christ, what the Spirit is empowering you to do in your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control as you work and walk by the power of the Spirit of God, you are exactly what the church today needs. That's what God always does. He takes care of his people. And so he goes on with that, that body metaphor. But let's skip down to verse 25. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. He says, God composed the body and he gave honor to whom he gave honor Verse 25, he says, that there be no division. This is why God put everything together the way that he did. So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, it doesn't divide and say, hey, look how awesome my finger is. If, If one part of your body is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Isn't that an exciting, wonderful truth? That when you were baptized into Jesus, you became a part of something so much bigger than yourself. Individually, we all became members and part of the body of Jesus. And we didn't lose our individuality when we became Christians. You still stayed yourself, and you still had your strengths and your abilities, your individuality, but your individuality, everywhere you've been and everything you've done and what makes you, you, and the strengths and the abilities that the Holy Spirit is giving to you has become co-opted into the body of Christ so that now your strengths and your abilities can help and care for the rest of the body. Your strengths and your abilities have been given to you as an individual for the common good. And so there's a great, awesome truth to hang on to. Last week we said, I am no longer a slave to sin. And this week we say, I am a member of the spirit-empowered body of Christ. It's good news, isn't it? That 
when we're baptized into Jesus in repentant faith, we become a part of the Spirit-empowered body of Christ. But it's also a challenging thought, isn't it? Because it, we have to stop and ask ourselves, am I living this out? Is the rest of the body benefiting from the strengths and the abilities that God has given to you? As I look at what's going on at McDermott Road, I see so many people using what God has given to them to make the body of Christ stronger. But just like any congregation, this could be said about any congregation, there are always those of us who are using what God has given us for the benefit of the body, and then there are those of us who could do a little bit more and use the strengths that we've been given more to help the body of Christ. And then there are probably even those at every congregation who need to do something, who aren't using the strengths and their abilities that God has given them through His Spirit. Their individuality, their, their giftedness are not using it for the good, the common good of the body of Christ. And so we've got to stop and ask ourselves, am I living as a member of the Spirit-empowered body of Christ? That's what it is to live out our baptism. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that isn't yet a part of the body of Jesus. You haven't been buried with Jesus. You haven't experienced that exodus from the old life, the old humanity, under the reign of sin and death, and into the kingdom of grace and life and forgiveness under the kingship of Jesus. If you haven't done that yet, I'd encourage you, make that step. Make that decision. Walk by faith and receive the gifts, the free gifts that are yours in Christ Jesus and can be yours. Or maybe you've just forgotten to live out your baptism, forgotten to live as the people God has called us to be. We all need to be reminded and get back on track. The church at Corinth certainly needed to be reminded, this is who you are. Live like it. If we can pray with you, if we can help you, the elders meet with you after services in the back, we'd love to do that. Or you can come forward as we stand and sing.